Thank you for that song. I love that song. Let me tell you about my Jesus. That should be something that we are able to do each day of our lives, isn't it? Tell somebody about what Christ means to us and how he's changed our life and how he can change somebody else's life. I want to read this morning from Job, the second chapter, verses 1 through 10. On another day, the angels came to present themselves before the Lord, and Satan also came with them to present himself before him. And the Lord said to Satan, Where have you come from? And Satan answered the Lord from roaming throughout the earth, going back and forth on it. And then the Lord said to Satan, Have you considered my servant Job? There is no one on earth like him. He is blameless and upright, a man who fears God and shuns evil, and he still maintains his integrity, though you incited me against him to ruin him without any reason. Skin for skin, Satan replied. A man will give all he has for his own life, but now stretch out your hand and strike his flesh and bones, and he will surely curse you to your face. And the Lord said to Satan, Very well, then, he is in your hands, but you must spare his life. So Satan went out from the presence of the Lord and afflicted Job with painful sores from the soles of his feet to the crown of his head. Then Job took a piece of broken pottery and scraped himself with it as he sat among the ashes. And his wife said to him, are you still maintaining your integrity? Curse God and die. And he replied, You are talking like a foolish woman. Shall we accept good from God and not trouble? And all this Job did not sin in what he said. May God bless the reading and the hearing, the understanding of his precious and holy word. We may have said these words, at least thought these words. Maybe this has happened recently or at least some point in your life. I'm feeling a little bit like Job. We see Job and all that he went through, and we sometimes want to compare ourselves to him. I remember a nice gentleman in church in which I once pastored. He said... On Monday, his hot water heater went out, and he got it replaced. On Tuesday, he went to get in his car, and it wouldn't crank, and had to get a battery for it. On Thursday, his TV went on the blink, and had to get it repaired. On Thursday, his refrigerator stopped operating. On Friday, he said, his air conditioning went out, and he realized that his hot water heater had not gone out, but it was his air condition. And he said, we about folded up. <laughs> I'm sure you've had weeks like that. I'm sure you've had days where it just looks like everything is going south. You can't get anything uh, quite together. You're just on a roll, and it's a bad roll that you're on, and we have a feeling that we're a little bit like Job, and we may want to throw up our hands and quit. This is an interesting man. We've all heard of Job. Uh, with certainty, he had much adverse in his life. Uh, Job uh, was a man who lived in the land of Oz, 
and he was blameless and upright and feared God and shunned evil. Now, it's interesting from the very beginning of this story, uh, the drama that took place, and it was assumed that prosperity and good fortune uh, came as a result of somebody living a good and righteous life. We may think that way too, that if we live a good and righteous life, then everything will come to us in great measure. Well, if you lived as God would have you to live, why think any other? But whether we agree with that theology or not, we see uh, that was not what was taking place here in these scriptures. I don't know many of Jesus' original followers who was able to have great and wonderful mansions and places to live except after their death. And yet, we are introduced to a man who was chosen to experience unbelievable pain and heartache and suffering in his life. We may feel like that man or that woman today, and the reason that he was chosen to experience these tragic circumstances was that he was blameless and upright. He feared God and he shunned evil. A good man, isn't he? You know the story. The course of the conversation between God and this fallen angel, Satan, that God allowed Satan to strip him away of everything except here in the Scripture we read his own life, his family, his friends, his health, his wealth, Nothing was spared except he was able to live. His body was covered with awful sores. His friends accused him of some unknown sin. Certainly he's got some unknown sin in his life. Is bringing all this heartache and pain and suffering onto his life. And yet we see the theology of the Old Testament was saying that certainly something must be wrong in your life for you to be suffering that way. Probably none of us in this room have ever suffered in the way in which Job suffered. I would contend that each of us knows something about suffering. We know something about loss. We know something about tragedy. We've all heard bad reports about something going on in our life. But never quite like Job. Maybe you would say, I've got one similar, and sometime I'll tell you about it. But whatever that problem may be, there's a battle going on, and you may sometimes think, I don't know if I'm going to be able to endure. I don't know if I'll be able to persevere, to be persistent in this season of my life that I'm going through. Am I going to really be able to hold on? What's the secret? of making it through those difficult times, if they've not already been there for you, they're not here today, we know we may face them in the future. What's the secret of getting through when our last shred of hope is gone and there's no longer enough rope to even tie a knot in to hold on to it? We have nothing left in the tank. I would suggest, first of all, that we learn to live just that simple cliche we've heard one day at a time. 
Boy, it's easy, isn't it, to live in another day, another era, whether it's in the past or whether it's in our future, and not focusing present tense on what we need to be doing. Jesus tells us, therefore, do not worry about tomorrow, for tomorrow will worry about itself. Each day has enough trouble of its own, Jesus tells us. You may know the story of the man who went out to the country to watch a farmer sawing a log. He watched him as he had these long measured strokes and uh, the city man said, well, here, let me saw that log. And he started off too with these slow measured strokes and was doing a good job. But then he began to accelerate his tempo and when he did, after a few moments of frantic sawing, the stroke became crooked and the saw got caught. And the city man said, well, I guess I didn't do so well after all. And the farmer replied, it's because you allowed your mind to get ahead of the saw. How many times do we allow our minds to get ahead of the saw? How many times have we pondered in our minds and in our heart, what if? What if I had done that? What if they had done this? What if I'd gone down that path? Wonder if I'd have gone to school somewhere else. Wonder if I'd have met somebody else. Wonder if I'd have taken that job. Wonder if I had to change that decision that I made. It's easy to live in that world, isn't it? What if I get bad news tomorrow from the doctor? What if my business fails or they lay me off? What if my child gets involved with the wrong person? We add to today's burdens the burdens of an imagined tomorrow. A tomorrow that may never come not in the form at least in which we imagine it and conjure it up in our minds. We all have probably heard that song, haven't we? One day at a time, sweet Jesus, that's all I'm asking of you. Just give me the strength to do every day what you'd have me to do. Yesterday's gone, sweet Jesus, and tomorrow may never be mine. God, help me today. Show me the way one day at a time. That's a biblical way to live, isn't it? To live in the moment, the present tense, to take care of business on this day, to realize what it is that God has us to do today. An old Swedish saying is there's no danger on the roof, which really means there's nothing to worry about. Don't worry about something that may never happen. Of course, if there's a cow on your roof, Maybe you need to start worrying. Pastor James Gordon Gilkey gives an illustration that helps us understand that all of us have challenges and problems and how we should deal with them. He says that most of us view our lives as a person who is standing in the middle of a circle with problems and challenges and fears and burdens that surround us and are pushing in on us. Can anybody relate to that this morning? He said that it's 
more accurate, however, to picture a life of an hourglass. With, at the top, there's a large bowl, and at the bottom, there's also a large bowl. And in between, there's a thin tube with one grain of sand at a time going through it. That's more of an accurate picture he depicts. No matter how busy, how burdened, how hectic our lives may seem, we need to focus only on the challenge that is present in the moment. Not on the previous challenge that we can't do anything about, not upon that challenge that we may be facing tomorrow, but taking one task, one decision, one job at a time. Focus on mastering the present moment and you'll find yourself better equipped to face the stresses of the day. Have you ever found yourself just sitting around worrying about something? And I don't know what happens to you, but the more that we do that, the more intense it becomes, doesn't it? And we just find ourselves jogging in place. We send that same tape, that same message through our brains, and the more we do that, the worse it gets. God calls us to take action, to move forward. It's so easy to ignore Jesus' instruction about worrying. It's so easy to defend our obsession with anxiety. Is it really wrong? Let's say we eliminated worry from our lives. What would we replace it with? A quote from Francois Fenelon who was a French bishop who lived in the 17th century, said this, Don't worry about the future. Worry quenches the work of grace within you. The future belongs to God. He is in charge of all things. Never second-guess Him. Did you hear that? Don't worry about the future. Worry quenches the work of grace within you. The future belongs to God. He is in charge of everything. We should not second-guess God. How true it is in our life that the graces of God is taken away from you. They're put out. They're distinguished themselves from God's grace. How can you replace worry with the work of God's grace in your life. You start by simply living one moment and one day at a time, and I think God will bless us for that. Secondly, I'd say about this passage, we need to remember that we are loved. Now, maybe all of you here feel intensely loved. I can't tell you the number of people that I've dealt with in ministry through the years who the more that we talk, the more that I listen to them, I begin to realize they just don't really feel loved. They don't feel loved by people who are their peers. They don't feel loved like they should by their family. They don't understand that God loves them. The feeling of being loved is the most critical factor in our ability to function as whole human beings. And when we do not feel loved, 
we do not develop emotionally and psychologically and spiritually as we should. And those stresses that come to our life, they're more intense. In October of 2019, Staff Sergeant Philip Gray was deployed to Afghanistan. Well, Sergeant Gray knew that he'd be gone for some time, possibly a year, and he had a little seven-year-old daughter that he loved dearly, and he wanted her uh, to remember while he was gone that she was loved. And so before he left, he sat down and wrote some 270 notes for his daughter with the instructions to his wife that each morning that she would place one of those notes in her lunchbox. And it said things like, you're a super girl, you're smart, in PE, run and do your best. Little Rosie would read those, but the overriding message to all of those notes to her was, I want you to know, while I'm in a foreign country, I love you, I appreciate you. The greatest need that we have is to love and to be loved, not a shallow, weak kind of love. But we find the absence of that love, we become stunted. And we don't grow up as we should. We sometimes mature in many ways, and yet we find ourselves staying in the same place in life because we dare not tell anybody we feel this way. It's just simply where we are. We grow helpless in the face of adversity. Or we panic, and we've all done it, done some dumb things. Do we not know, have we not heard, the one who loves us so much more gave his life on the cross on our behalf? It's important that we take one day at a time. It's important that we feel loved and express love. And thirdly, I'd say we need to learn how to let go. It's sort of a paradox. We like to control things. We like to have our way. We like to be steering the car, don't we, in our lives. And it's only when we let go and let God have his way in our life that we experience true freedom as we should. As someone has put it, let go and let God, and we need to know how to release our worries and our fears and our guilt and our anger and our resentment. Do you hear what I'm saying this morning? Some of us have been holding on to those things for a long time. And instead of us having control over our lives, it has control over us. And we need to let go of it. There are times we need to simply say, I'm going to turn it loose. I love that passage in Philippians 3.13 that Paul writes. For he says... But one thing I do, letting go of what lies behind. Those things are in the past, he's saying. And straining towards what lies ahead. In other words, I want to move forward in my life. Ruth Graham, Billy Graham's wife, wrote in Christianity Today, 
about how Malcolm Muggeridge at one time was England's most deeply and devoted agnostic. Uh, he was on the airwaves and he proclaimed how he did not believe in God. And all of a sudden his life was transformed and he became a Christian and a follower of Jesus Christ and he was invited to speak at a prominent church and many of the local atheists arrived there to heckle him. He had become a traitor for the cause. Most of the questions revolved around the issue of why have you let us down <clears throat> for those who were atheists that were there. But Muggeridge noticed a boy in a wheelchair who was struggling to speak. When the boy uh, continued with his contortions, still unable to say what he wanted, Muggeridge said to him, there is someone who wants to ask the question and I'll wait and answer it. When the boy managed only to get out some agonized motions, Muggeridge stepped forward and put his arm on the boy's shoulder and said, just take it easy, son. It's all right. <clears throat> what is it do you want to ask me? I want to hear you, and I'll just wait here for you. And the boy finally blurted out, you say there's a God who loves us. Yes, the renowned scholar said with compassion. And then the boy asked that question that we so often ask that Job himself struggled with. Why me? There was dead silence in the room. It was as quiet as a funeral home. Muggers didn't speak at first. He was trying to think, how am I going to answer this question? And finally he said to the little boy, if you were fit, would you have come to hear me tonight? And the little boy shook his head, and then after some more silence, Muggeridge answered, God has asked a hard thing of you, but remember, he asked something even harder of Jesus Christ. He died for you. Maybe this was his way of making sure you'd hear of his love and come to put your faith in him. And the little boy just responded, could be. Maybe he didn't answer him as he wanted to be answered. Maybe he didn't give him what he wanted to be given. But we find... Job maybe got none of the answers he really wanted either, did he? If we could control the future, I would guess that most everybody here would eliminate all frustrations and heartaches and pain and suffering from their life. Would we be in agreement on that this morning? We would miss out, though, on the very grace of God by enduring and not giving up on God, we see God's power and God's love more clearly. And we learn that we can trust in God through every circumstance and difficulty that we go through, that we can rest in Him, we can rely on Him, we can depend on Him, that we know He is our source of strength here in our living and also even in our dying. Author Marion Bond West tells of a time in which she felt separated and far away from God. 
Maybe you know of that experience. You just, for whatever reason, are not connecting to God. As one guy said to me one time, Preacher, I've been praying to God every day. It just feels like my prayers are hitting the ceiling and bouncing back at me. She was feeling this separation between her and God. It was an August day. It was blazing hot. And she noticed outside Applebee's restaurant a dog sitting there. She went inside to meet the dog's owner, a homeless man by the name of Johnny. And when Marion asked Johnny about his own needs, she was struck was surprised by his answer as he said, here's the way it works. Every morning, me and Cheeseburger, which was his dog, step out of our tent and look up at the sky and we say, Lord, we belong to you. We trust you. Take care of us another day. Thank you. And then at night when we lie down to sleep, I look at the stars and say, We still trust you, God. And he smiled at her. Marion drove away. She couldn't quit thinking about this deep faith and peace that a man named Johnny and his dog just radiated. It was an inner peace that had been lacking from her life. There was an emptiness, there was a void. So when she got to the next traffic light, she simply prayed this prayer. Lord, I belong to you. I trust you. Take care of me another day. Thank you. And she drove away with a fresh sense of peace that she had not experienced in some time. Maybe this morning, those who are here and those who listen to me, uh, by the way, of Facebook and delay, you feel as though there's something lacking in your life. Spiritually, you feel dried up. You've had all of these pressures, you've had all these problems, you've had all these trials. You feel like you're in a time of testing. You feel a little bit like Job. And you need God to enter your life in a new and fresh way. And it may be something as simple as what this lady, Marion, has done in saying, Lord, I belong to you. Lord, I trust in you. I'm giving my life completely to you. And I thank you in advance for caring for me. And God always comes through, doesn't he? He always answers us and allows us to know that he walks along beside us. So I would say, in summary, learn to live one day at a time in the moment. To know that you're loved and that you should give love to others. 
that God loves you supremely and to let go and let God. Amen and amen. May God bless you on this day. We're delighted that you're here as we've come to worship him. Thank you for uh, your uh, ability to, to get up and be here this morning or to watch us online. And we hope that the Lord has touched your heart, that he's ministered to you, that it's not just about the blessings he can give to you, but what is it that we can give to somebody else as we're blessed? We have that responsibility, don't we? Well, next Sunday is homecoming. It's always a special time. And I know that every single one of you are going to be here at 1030 and possibly for Sunday school at 930. And I know that you're going to bring somebody else with you, right? Is there not one person here that knows somebody that hadn't been to church lately? Make some calls this week and invite them and say, hey, I'll meet you out in the foyer area and we'll sit together. It's homecoming. It's a great time to come back. I truly think some people have just gotten sort of a little bit out of the habit of coming to church. And it's a great time to break that habit <laughs> and get back in the house of the Lord if possible. So we look forward to seeing you, and we know that the Lord will bless us again. Let us stand as we close in the word of prayer. Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for these dear people who are here today. As they've looked inside of their life and they said, you know, with everything else going on, I'm extremely busy, but I'm not too busy to go to church this morning. I, I really need to be replenished in a spiritual way. Maybe we're feeling knocked down. Maybe we feel as though that we're just depleted of all of our energies, particularly our spiritual energies. And we need you, O oh Lord, through your Holy Spirit to fill us up again. Help us, Lord, in a very deep way, and yet sometimes a very simple way to trust in you, to believe that you are our God, you are our Lord, our Savior, and our Sustainer. And Lord, as you have blessed us, may we not hold on to it, but may we share it with the world that's in need of it. So go with us. And put a new song in our heart. For it's in the name of Christ our Lord we make this prayer. Amen.